Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. In episode 10, we have the privilege of speaking with Ryan Burns from 24-7 Sports and Gopher Illustrated. Ryan previews the upcoming recruiting classes for the state of Minnesota, as well as the 2018 classes for the University of Minnesota and North Dakota State football programs. In addition to previewing some of the top and sleeper prospects for the upcoming 2019 class, Ryan discusses the characteristics and action steps necessary for players to get recruited, while also outlining the role of the coach in the entire process. Ryan's passion for his craft is obvious, and it was an absolute blast getting to sit down and talk with him. Coaches, let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on one of our podcasting platforms on either iTunes or Stitcher. And always, look for our blog posts updated on Sundays on our website at igfootballcoach.com. We're here with Ryan Burns, uh, recruiting specialist for North Dakota State and the University of Minnesota through 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here. I am, uh, as you said, I'm Ryan Burns. I do run the North Dakota State and the University of Minnesota 24-7 site, which is a kind of, uh, you look at CBS Sports, we're kind of an affiliate of theirs. And so what we try to do at 24-7 Sports is I think we're about half recruiting, we're half in-depth analysis of your favorite men's basketball team and or your favorite football team. So we look at a lot of recruits, and obviously that's the lifeblood of any college football or college basketball program. And there's always a lot of talk about blue chippers and, and stars and all that kind of different things. We're the ones that give those out, unfortunately. Either you think somebody's too high and you shoot me an angry email or tweet, or you think somebody's too low. And if that's the case, I can assure you I'll get 10 times more emails and or tweets yeah. about how everything is fixed, everything is against and biased against their child or someone. and in their high school or something like that. So we do a lot of in-depth recruiting talk because in my eyes from following recruiting now going on seven, eight years, for me it's kind of like a male soap opera or just a sports aficionado soap opera because you're trying to live vicariously and look at something uh, for a 17- and 18-year-old kid, someone who's going through the recruiting process. And I'm sure as everyone here listening knows, your mind goes a lot of different places when you're 17, 18 years old, especially when it comes close to national signing day, it's getting very real that you're going to be having to put the pen to the paper and you're actually going to have to go to that institution. So we do a lot of different things uh, recruiting wise. And then we do a lot of in-depth analysis because while the star tribune or the pioneer press may cover the team again, it's more of they're getting quotes from the coaches and then putting that into your you know, daily morning. But I think what we do great, especially at Gopher Illustrated, is kind of go more in-depth. You know, we look and break down each one of the games for Gopher football and using GIFs, which I think is a beautiful way to try and explain <laughs> what happened in each quarter without trying to get into a verbal battle or a Twitter batter or something like that with someone saying, yes, the quarterback missed the throw, but if you actually look at this GIF I'm about to show you, you can see the receiver didn't run it hard, and if he'd ran it hard, uh, that would have been a 60-yard touchdown. So I, you know, I really enjoy. That's probably one of my favorite pieces that I'm able to do for 24/7. Is that GIF rewind is what we call it on Gopher Illustrated. Again, I get to go through. I'm going to watch the game anyway, but why not be able to show you what went wrong for Minnesota, what went right for Minnesota? You know, if Shannon Brooks has an 80-yard touchdown, well, I want to give a lot of the credit to Connor Olson pulling across. He's able to steal the key, the key block and allow Shannon to get to the second level. So we just do a lot of in-depth things, whether recruiting-wise or kind of getting more into the games of football and men's basketball. 
That's great stuff, Ryan. Uh, let's kind of rewind just a little bit and go back to what, how did you get into the recruiting world and talk about your kind of yearly schedule and what it looks like, you know, right now as both signing periods are done for right now and kind of what your schedule looks like. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of a weird story where I used to be, when I was a high school senior, I was going through the recruiting process myself. Now, not at the, the unfortunately not at the division one level. Um, I was a D2, D3 kind of a guy. Uh, but I really enjoyed the recruiting process. I really enjoyed coaches coming to my house. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the nightly phone calls, going on visits, getting scholarship offers, knowing that your parents won't have to pay for college. I mean, that's something that I took a lot of pride in. So, And I'm my, and my favorite team at the time uh, growing up in Minnesota was the University of Minnesota. So I ended up joining what was Rivals, um, Rivals.com, their Minnesota site. Uh, I was a member of that board and then eventually the owner of the site gave me a shot part-time and I have now uh, been in this seven years kind of switched around a few different companies and uh, now I hear him as the editor of uh, a couple of different 24-7 sites and I get a lot of input here on Minnesota kids, Dakota kids, uh, just trying to evaluate them. So going from someone that went through the recruiting process, really enjoyed kind of seeing the twists and the turns, knowing what it's like uh, to be thinking that you're going to be going to Augustana, but then St. Cloud State calls you saying, hey, we really want you. Here's a scholarship offer. Well, you know, that's my mom's alma mater. So how does that kind of fit into things? And, again, I don't – unless you've gone through the recruiting process, I just don't think that uh, you really know what it's like for, uh, you know, a recruit and his parents to try and – go through all the different twists and turns. But in terms of a schedule, I mean, right now is actually the slow time of year for me. Uh, I'm, that being said, I'm in an interlude between covering the Gopher spring practice and looking forward to getting out to a couple of camps here next week where I'll be in Chicago to see some of the best talent in the Midwest at an Under Armour camp in Chicago. Hopefully a lot of Minnesota kids are able to attend that as well. And then we get into summer camp season where kids, if you want a scholarship offer, you're going to have to go to these institutions and earn one. So the University of Minnesota is going to hold a plethora of camps, both in Minnesota and across the country. North Dakota State has their three-day camp coming up in June where if you want an offer and you don't have one, you're going to have to go up there and earn it. It's a padded camp. And, again, that's where a majority of North Dakota State's offers go out, and you see a lot of commitments following that camp as well because with North Dakota State especially, it's a three-day camp. It's not you show up at noon, you camp till 5, and then you go home. You're there for three days. You're there experiencing what it would be like to be a football player living in Fargo for three days. You get to work with your position coach. You get to talk with each one of the Bison coaches. And I think that's a big advantage for NDSU, especially with how big of a monster they've become in the FCS ranks. But once we get past the summer months, then we get obviously into the football season. And then it's, uh, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of hopefully Minnesota can get to a bowl game you know, what's happening each one of the, these games. And then, unfortunately, November, December, and January is where my better half doesn't uh, always get to see me, and she's always not extremely thrilled about that because it's recruiting season. That means all the coaches are on the road and with as well of a job or as good of a job as we do at Gopher Illustrated in covering their whereabouts. It's a lot of talking to uh, sources close to the program, wink, wink, and then trying to <laughs> kind of get them to – you know, be able to divulge some things that I can share with my Gopher Illustrated and Bison Report readers. So it is a lot of times where, and I think the interesting part of it is when you think of 
kind of a journalist or someone in my position, you think, well, it's an eight to five job. It's basically the complete opposite because from eight to five, kids are either at school or they're doing something athletically and they're not near their phone. So if I need to get a hold of a kid, it's from five thirty to I mean I've I've had a kid I've had kids call me at twelve thirty at night to say, Hey, I just committed, you wanna talk? <laughs> it's like <laughs> with the amount of times that and in I guess the frustrating part for a guy like me, I'm twenty five years old, I'm I'm well aware of technology and how it's impacted each one of these recruits' lives. They will not answer a phone call or text from time to time. And it is the most infuriating thing because you know they're on, they're on their phone and they don't want to pick up. And, again, maybe that's just a pet peeve of mine. But, again, <laughs> December, January, February, it's crazy because coaches are trying to flip other recruits. Recruits are trying to figure out what's real, what's not. And you're in the middle of it trying to be a mediator at times and then trying to relay that information to your subscribers. So, it is a, it is a 12 month a year job. There's a bunch of different hats you have to wear, but that's the fun part of it. Ryan, how does the person in your line of work get their information? So like when you're putting together a recruiting profile for a kid, uh, do you individually watch film or do you base it more off of comments and observations from coaches? Both. I mean, anytime you see a, a Minnesota recruit, for example, so uh, say Bryce Benhart or David Roddy from Breck get an offer. Um, if you haven't viewed their tape already, I mean, that's the first thing you're going to do is go on and pop on the tape. And then what I do is, so I'll watch the tape. I, cause I always want to watch the tape before then I kind of crowdsource different coaches from across the region who I know are recruiting this player because I want to form my own opinion before I potentially let it uh, be affected by others. So say with David Roddy, I watch his film. Now he's an interesting case because while he is a six foot five, 245 pound quarterback for Breck, I I would love to see him at either defensive end or tight end because the way he is able to run and the way he's able to, and knowing as well that he is a fantastic basketball player, he's received numerous division one mid-major scholarships in the last seven days for it. I mean, that's somebody I, in my eyes that you want as a tight end. So then I'll, you know, contact people close to the Dakota coaches, uh, the four different Dakota schools in the FCS out there. I can ask people in Northern Iowa. I can ask people at the University of Minnesota, different places, saying, hey, what do you think about David Roddy? And then, you know, we kind of bounce some things back and forth. And then ultimately I then give that recommendation to Alan True, who is the Midwest guy for 24-7 sports, and we kind of talk back and forth there as well. So, um, you know, there are numerous times where I'll have uh, someone from, say, East Ridge High School, their head coach, reach out to me and say, hey, we have this kid. He's doing very well for us. What do you think? And then you kind of you pop on the tape, you ask him, well, how big is he actually? Because if I went off you know, recruiting highlight tapes where everybody runs a 4.5 and everybody's six two, 200 pounds, I don't know how there wouldn't be 100 first-round picks with the amount of talent that Minnesota has. So <laughs> you always kind of want to get the real numbers, and that's where these camps come into play because, again, every recruit says they're six foot 185, and they run a 4.540, and I can't believe I don't have an offer. Okay, well then these coaches get you to camp and then they get you on a stopwatch and you're four eight five and you're actually five ten and a half, hundred and sixty pounds. So again, it's it is a little bit of both. It's evaluating off tape, but then I also uh and this is something I, I really learned from Jerry Killstaff covering them was I always want to get a a live evaluation on them because while the tape doesn't lie, neither does your own evaluation of them in terms of a live evaluation. So you know, it's just a bunch of different things like that. And then you'd be silly to not want to kind of crowdsource from different 
uh, Division One football coaches who are making more money than I am. And again, there's a reason that they're in that position, and so I value their opinions as well. Speaking of other Division One coaches, right? How much access do you have uh, to the programs that you cover? I feel pretty fortunate to be where I'm at. Um, I can't really, uh, you know, tell you, you know, exactly who my sources are. As again, they don't. It would be a potentially NCAA violation of sorts. But again, you show up at different practices, you show up at different camps, and you do, and, and you work hard, and, and other people are going to notice. And so, you know, where I'm at now in year seven and eight compared to where I was at year one. It's leaps and bounds in terms of where I have access to now, and I've been pretty fortunate to build some inroads with some um, some pretty good coaches. You know, one for example would be I was out in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago visiting some family, and uh, the defensive coordinator at the University of Wake Forest is Jay Savell. He used to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Minnesota, so I'm able to meet up with him, grab some dinner with him, talk about uh, different people and, and different things like that. And again, it's it's very fortunate, but I do. Uh, I am fortunate to have some inroads at the programs that I cover, which I'm guessing is why um, the sites are as big as they are, is because people know when something is coming down from my message board or my keyboard. Uh, it's probably being influenced, or I have an inkling uh, from sources that this is what's going on. When it comes to identifying talent for the Division One level, what are some of the intangibles or measurables that separate a player? And maybe on the other side of things, what are some things that hinder a player from getting recruited? I say the biggest thing that I hear from college coaches, and I agree with it, is grades. Now, when you think of grades, you think of, well, you know, he's got a 2.3 GPA and an 18 ACT. Well, maybe he's on the borderline. But my, if I could stress my biggest thing to any recruits, any recruits, parents, any high school coaches listening to this, is if you look at your program and you look at the freshman and sophomore, maybe on, again, the freshman team or the JV team, that you think could have a chance down the line to be a scholarship player. And I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, not a University of Minnesota Cal player because you have places like Augustana, UMD, St. Cloud State, Minnesota Mankato that are looking very, very hard at Minnesota players. But the biggest thing I hear is, well, we'd love to recruit this kid, but he doesn't have a grade. So if you have a kid who you think could be a scholarship kid down the line, look at his grades and pull him into your office and say, hey, you have C's and D's in freshman algebra and freshman English. If you think that you could potentially want to play college football, you can't be doing this because what I find more times than not is when a kid gets to his junior year, he's really starting to think about college. He's thinking, hey, maybe I can play college football somewhere. Well, then he tries to get his grades back on track. He's getting A's and B's as, juniors, as a junior and senior, but it's too late by then, even with a strong ACT score, that he can't get into a college. And unfortunately, he can't take advantage of that scholarship that would be waiting for him and he either can't play a collegiate sport or he has to go to the junior college level. So I think the biggest thing that hinders recruits is their grades. Again, if you think you have a promising player or you think you're a promising player, look at your grades. And if your grades are in a good spot, well, great. Keep on going because you're going to be recruitable down the line because when these recruits or when these coaches come into Hopkins or Chaska, I mean, they're going to ask, number one, your high school coach, and then they're going to crowdsource once again with the faculty saying, hey, if we're seriously thinking about adding this kid to our program, giving him tens of thousands of dollars in scholarship money, I need to know he's a good kid. He's not absent and tardy from classes he's time and time again. And that's another huge thing is I don't think recruits realize the amount of background checks that these college coaches are doing on recruits. I know many a college coach 
that has walked into a school and he is the highlight tape or, you know, the, the game film looks great. You look at him in person, you watch him do drills, everything looks great. He should be a scholarship athlete. And then they go check and see what, how is your, you know, how are your grades? Number one. And number two, how many times have you been tardy from class? Because that is a huge part for them is if we have a 6 a.m. workout on Tuesday morning, I don't want you showing up at 6:12 because by then we're already 12 minutes into our workout and then we have to stop everything for you. So again, make sure you're on time to class and then uh, make sure that again, you're getting the good grades. I kind of went off on a tangent there and I totally forgot the first <laughs> part of your question. No, I think, I think you hit spot on. And I, we had uh, some NDSU staff in our building today, even, um, and the two people they met with were, uh, a principal and a guidance counselor about some kids. So, exactly. um, you know, they didn't even really talk to coaches. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. It, that is real. Um, but now if we kind of switch over to NDSU and then obviously the Gophers too, did they, you know, the 2018 recruiting classes were good, I would say. And I'd, I'd love to hear your input about them both, but did they meet some of the needs they needed going into next fall? And, um, you know, how, what does 2019 look for both programs? Well, North Dakota State, we'll start 2018-wise, and I think where they had to address some some needs was at the quarterback position because obviously there's a lot of talk about Carson Wentz with the Philadelphia Eagles, leads them to a fantastic regular season, unfortunately tears his knee, and then the Eagles are able to win the championship anyway. Well, they were able to go at North Dakota State from Carson Wentz to Easton Stick, who, by the way, is a fantastic player out there for the Bison, obviously just led them to another – FCS championship and what now, they need Ryan, to do not to is, cut you off, but where does he get drafted? Do you think in a year, you know, is he a, is he a oh, first four round pick for sure? You think, <laughs> I don't think that's for sure. I think again, we'll see what he puts on his senior film because that, again, that is the most important film, whether it's high school talent or whether it's college talent is maybe you had a fantastic junior season, which Easton I think did, but how does he perform as a senior when he may not have the amount of help that he had, as a junior, again, that's the biggest thing that these NFL coaches are going to want to see because athletically, Easton Stick fits the build. I've seen him in person at a couple of NDSU camps and um, from NDSU games. I mean, he's legitimately what he's listed at. He's very athletically gifted. And I think that the throwing, I mean, he makes some throws that make you think, yeah, you're going to be an NFL quarterback. Now, I think he gets drafted. Now, I don't know where it's going to be yet. Again, we still don't even know what happens here uh, tomorrow night with the NFL draft. So I do think he is a draftable guy, though. And so when you look to kind of replace Easton Stick, there's no one definitively there for North Dakota State. And that's why they went out and I think signed the top quarterback from Minnesota in last year's class in Trey Lance, someone that I think is very, very similar to what Easton was as a high school senior coming into NDSU as a freshman athletically. I've seen Trey Lance from Marshall, Minnesota, multiple times. I know he's a legitimately six foot three, uh, 200 pounds, very athletically gifted. Someone that the University of Minnesota wanted as a safety. But Trey decided that, again, I don't want to potentially switch positions yet. I want to really give quarterback 100% of my effort. North Dakota State was like, hey, well, I welcome you with open arms. I mean, Trey turned down last minute interest from a Boise State to stay with North Dakota State. So I think addressing a huge need at quarterback because I don't think they have a definitive guy, as I mentioned, behind Easton Stick like they did for Carson Wentz with Easton. And so I think Trey Lance could potentially be that guy. I also think they needed to upgrade their skill positions because they just lost R.J. Erzendowski. They 
and they really needed to kind of figure out what's next for them at the skill position players, and they did so with guys like Phoenix Sproles from Robbinsdale Cooper here. I think he was the best wide receiver in Minnesota in the 2018 class. Now, again, I don't know if he is as quick twitch as uh, for a Big Ten school of sorts, and he was dealing with some hamstring issues when he tried to camp at Minnesota. But, again, I think that they really needed to upgrade offensively, and I think they were able to do so. What about the University of Minnesota? How would you say their recruiting class this year and maybe going into next year has fit the needs that they needed? Yeah, uh, and just just so folks know, I, I didn't really touch on the 19s for NDSU, and it's very tough for a North Dakota state to really get commitments before camp season in June. And what I mean by that is most of the kids that they're recruiting, they have high on the recruiting board, are still waiting to see if they're going to get FBS or BCS offers. And so what the, when the reality sets in for them that when they go camp at the University of Illinois, the University of Minnesota, University of Iowa, Wisconsin, and they don't get these offers, well, then they're like, okay, well, I know at the end of the month I'm going to North Dakota State, and I know that if I like it there, knowing that my other options really aren't there, I'm going to choose the Bison. So it's a, it's a little bit tough for NDSU to get commitments before the end of June. But when you look at the University of Minnesota, there's a lot to be excited about with that class that P.J. Fleck just signed. It was the highest-rated recruiting class that we've had for the University of Minnesota in the Internet era. That's 18 years. And I, when you look at P.J. Wow. being able to do that off a five-win season, I think that speaks volumes about what P.J. and his staff were able to do. They signed the highest-rated class of offensive line, defensive line, and I believe wide receiver also in the history of Minnesota in Again, in the Internet era in 18, uh, in 18 years. And so I think P.J. was able to do well there. I think they were able to do well in state. Um, there were a few different guys that I know that I was very particularly high on, one being from St. Cloud and Brevin Spanford. And I think he is going to be a tremendous asset to Minnesota in the passing game in the next four years. You, what makes Brevin so special, and, and really Brevin didn't really pop on to many collegiate or in terms of big-time programs until after the camp that I'm going to be going to next week in, in Chicago. Because for Minnesota kids, the biggest thing is how do they look against other Midwest talent? Because I know that, you know, an Evan Hall from Maple Grove or a David Roddy from Breck really dominate the competition against Minnesota. Well, let's put them against the best kids from Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, the Dakotas, and see how they put athletic or how they perform athletically in those different kind of settings to kind of where do they compare with other people in the region? And Brevin came in six foot seven, 230 pounds. Now, he's not the fastest guy, but he has fantastic hands, and he can really go up and get the ball. And that's one of the big things is he's six foot seven, had Division One basketball offers, including one from North Dakota State. And, again, I, I've seen him camp a few different times. He has some of the best hands I've seen from a six foot seven kid. And, you know, whether he's a tight end, whether he's a wide receiver, I don't know that that label really necessarily matters. He's a pass catcher, and that's where he's going to help Kirk Sharaka and Minnesota's offense early in his career is you can split him out into the slot. And whether it's a linebacker covering him, he's going to be either too small and or too slow to cover him. Or if you put a safety on him who can match up speed-wise, Brevin's going to have four or five inches on him. And, again, if you throw um, you know, the back corner fade, or if you kind of just tell him to run a 15-yard comeback and just plant yourself and box out the safety, he can do that. So I think in terms of it, in, for the University of Minnesota, in Minnesota they did well, and then big picture they signed the highest-traded recruiting class that they've had in 18 years.
Switching gears here a little bit ahead uh, and looking more towards next year's recruiting class, in your opinion, how much Division One talent resides in Minnesota for the upcoming class, and what are some of the positions of strength and depth? I think a position of strength definitely, when you, I mean, when you look at the top players for 2019 in Minnesota, you start with Lakeville's Bryce Benhart and Edinus Quinn Carroll. Uh, both have been on the recruiting scene now for two, three years. Both have received offers from basically the who's who of anybody in the country. Uh, I've seen both in person. I think Quinn, technically sound, is the best offensive lineman to come out of Minnesota since Chantrell Henderson. Wow. I know that he's a legitimate six foot six, two hundred ninety five pounds, and just technically, in terms of skill, uh, in terms of hand placement, in terms of his footwork. I think Quinn is going to be an elite offensive lineman. You know, whether that's at Notre Dame or Minnesota, I think he's going to either end up at one of those two schools right now. And I, maybe down again, in my opinion, I think Quinn Carroll, while he plays tackle right now, I think he's going to make, eventually slide inside and be a guard. I just think that that's where he's going to find a, find his home, which is nothing to really shake your head about because when you again with the NFL draft coming up here in the next 24, 48, 48 hours. You look at someone like Quentin Nelson from the University of Notre Dame as an interior guy, he's probably going to be a top-five pick, and that's he's going to probably be the first offensive lineman drafted. And as an interior guy, that's nothing to shake your head about. Bryce Benhart, on the other hand, is a legitimate six foot eight, six foot nine, and he has a lot of length. I also really like – what I really like about Bryce Benhart as well is he just – he took fourth place in Minnesota State Wrestling Tournament as a heavyweight. Now, with wrestling, the low man wins. It's always about angles. It's about – trying to make sure that you're lower than your opponent. It's working with your hands to make sure that your hands are in a good spot. All things an offensive lineman would have to do. And for Bryce, giving up a lot of size, because, again, I don't. when you look at some of the best wrestlers in Minnesota, they're not usually the tallest guys. And so Bryce being 6'8", 6'9", knowing how to wrestle well, knowing how to use your hands, knowing how to do different things like that, again, I think top-heavy, that's where it starts, is with those two. Um, I also think quarterback is pretty good. I am probably higher on Cole Kramer from Eden Prairie than most people in this state are. Um, I just think that while Eden Prairie's offense doesn't exactly showcase the skill set that Cole Kramer has and what I've seen him do uh, at different Minnesota camps, I've been in person to watch uh, Cole play different high school games. I think Cole is going to be a very, very solid Big Ten quarterback win for anybody who's been following the University of Minnesota in the last decade, decade and a half. You know, quarterback play has not been a strong suit for this university, and I think that they're starting to get that back on track with someone like Cole Kramer. And even look at Minnetonka. Aaron Severson just picked up his first offer from the um, from Northern Illinois in the MAC. And you have David Roddy there as well. He plays quarterback. So I think that while it's for the university or just for the state of Minnesota, when you look at what are other programs coming into Minnesota to do, more times than not, you're going to be looking at offensive linemen uh, because the skill positions not are, are very are very tough for the state of Minnesota. Now, I wish that more basketball players with the amount of talent and the amount of Division One talent that the, that the state of Minnesota has, I wish more of these basketball players who may be six foot one point guards and are very athletically gifted but they're like a D2 level basketball player. Well, heck, come out and play corner or safety and you're going to be a division 1 football player. And so that's one of the big things that I hope for the state is we're seeing a, an influx and a surge of basketball talent around the state and and I really hope that some of these basketball guys that are maybe 
mid-major D1 guys and D2 guys, if you're not getting the attention you want there, well, heck, come play left tackle if you're six-six post, and and you want to again. If I could tell you the amount of times I've I've talked with coaches saying, well, you know, he was listed at six-four, but then I went to the school and this offensive lineman is unfortunately only six-two. Now, do six-foot-two linemen get drafted? Sure. Do six-foot-two linemen do a whole heck of a lot in the college game? Yes. But again, you want to be bigger, longer, and faster. So I think that Lyman is a is a place where uh, Minnesota is always going to be strong. Uh, and then, again, I think quarterback in 2019 is also pretty good for Minnesota. Ryan, who are some guys in, in the class of 19 who maybe are not getting a lot of attention right now, but you think could end up and, and maybe even play a big role at a Division One campus when it's all said and done? I think Evan Hall from Maple Grove. I already brought him up, a Maple Grove running back. And what makes Evan Hall very tantalizing for, I think, eventually a Big Ten school is he is a legitimate five foot 190 pounds. He's a very good wrestler. But then you also look at the track times, because if you're going to be a skill position player, whether it's running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, defensive back, what these schools are going to do is, number one, they're hoping that you run track. Because if you run track, your times for whatever you're going to run are going to be on the Internet. So, again, if you're five foot 11, 185 pounds, and you say you run a four five, well, if you're in track, they can just go online and check your track time, saying, "Well, hmm, he looks like he ran an 11 two 100 and a 22 eight 200. He's probably somewhere close to that because he's got pretty good speed." And where Evan Hall, I think, is going to garner much more attention is you look at what he did last year as a sophomore. He took six and the 100 and 200 meters as a sophomore, running under 11 seconds. And the 100-meter under 22 seconds, the 200-meter. So you know he has legitimate speed. Now, my big question about Evan Hall is, when is that speed going to match what he puts on tape? Because when you look at what he runs and what he'll run, uh, you know, what he'll run at a camp will probably run four or five. And then you look at his track times, then you watch the tape. For a kid who is one of the fastest kids in the state, he gets caught from behind, uh, or he got caught from behind a, a little bit too much for me. And so I'm hoping that it was maybe an injury slowing him down or what it may be. But, again, I'd love to see him really break out again as a senior, and I think he'll garner much more attention there. And then the other kid I think that's going to really see, or two kids I think that are going to see their stocks rise, are one from Parker's Prairie, Minnesota, and Travis Yonke, who from the tape I've seen and from knowing people that have watched him play basketball, uh, from having different college coaches talk with, I think he is probably the best tight end in the state of Minnesota, legitimate 6'4", 6'5". 230 pounds, very athletically gifted. I think he's going to see his stock continue to rise. He's got offers from North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, North Dakota. I'm going to be interested to see what happens when he gets on the camp circuit in June. And then Peter Utabach from Creighton-Durham Hall is another one that has really seen his stock rise as well. Uh, when you watch the tape, you look at a six foot four, kind of lanky receiver. He's listed at 195 pounds. And if he's 195 pounds and I'm listed at 225, well, I might be 180 pounds. So, you know, Peter is, isn't the biggest. You know, he's got a big frame, which, again, you get him into a college strength and conditioning program for two years. He may get up to that 195, but he's got good hands. He's able to elude tackles for a big guy at six foot four, and he made plays. And he just picked up his second offer from North Dakota State along with more than Iowa. So I think those three guys are going to have to hit the camp circuit hard this summer. And if they do, I think they're going to be rewarded. 
Is it is it hard for kids to go under-recruited in this day and age, Ryan, with with the amount of access that everyone has on these kids? And you can, I mean, you can find out just about anything that you want to find out, and, and it's going to be factual, like you said, with the track times and the huddle film that's out there and all the things that go on with recruiting a kid. Is it hard for kids, you know, when kids say, well, you know, I'm going to play with a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to go here because you didn't recruit me as hard. I mean, is that even is that talk really realistic anymore because of the information that everyone has? It's getting tougher and tougher each year. Uh, it is getting tougher. I mean, when we look across the Midwest last year, I mean, there was only one kid that I could really say um, was kind of under-recruited, and that's just because, uh, you know, he didn't have social media to know about him. He literally had to go to his inner-city school in Milwaukee uh, this is a kid, an offensive lineman from Milwaukee that ended up going to UCLA. And he didn't have any social media to promote himself. And, again, that is a big thing for these college coaches is social media has made finding kids and talking to kids so much more um, easily accessible from even when I was being recruited seven, eight years ago. Because what I would have to go through, I would get emails. I mean, for a kid in high school – I wasn't regularly checking my email until I got into the recruiting process and then phone calls. Now with Twitter, now with Facebook, now with, I mean, you name it on social media, there are many, many Division One institutions using Snapchat uh, to send videos and, and talk on there. You have FaceTime with the iPhones now where a coach can FaceTime, he can look at you face-to-face, -face, different things like that. It is tough to be under-recruited in this day and age. And I think the biggest thing for anyone who feels like they're being under-recruited is go to the different combines. Go to camps this summer. And, again, I believe the Minnesota Football Coaches Association has a camp going on, I think, this weekend or next weekend. Go to that camp. That is an NCAA-sanctioned event. There will be coaches there. And if they aren't there, they can get your times from that uh, different event. So if you think you're being under-recruited and you think that you know you're as fast as you are and you're actually six foot four. Go to those different things, and again, I think that it really helps the recruiting process there as well. But social media makes it so tough, and huddle, you know, going online because, again, even when I was in high school, we didn't really have huddle. We didn't have any of that different things for coaches to come in and say, "Hey, can we get some game film?" I literally had to go to my coach, burn a CD from his computer of my game film, again with him. Now all these kids in their Twitter profiles have their huddle links on from their junior film. So hey. Hey, Coach, what do you think of this kid? Well, give me a second. He pulls up his Twitter, clicks on his huddle, watches the quick highlight tape, and, again, that's going to get your foot in the door. I think it's very tough to go under-recruited. But, again, if you think you are, go to camps in June. And maybe if you don't think you're a Division One caliber guy for North Dakota State or the University of Minnesota, go to State, go to UMD, go to Augustana. Those are different things I did, and I didn't even think I was going to play college football. I go to those camps with my team. I ended up being recruited. I ended up receiving scholarships. Again, if you want to be a college, a, a collegiate football player, go to you know Augustana and UMD and, and Mankato and get on their recruiting boards because that will help you immensely. Kind of bring things full circle here, Ryan. Most of the people who listen to our podcast are coaches or they're affiliated with the program in some way, shape, or form. And so I know that they're interested in the high school coach's role in the whole recruiting process. And so one of the final questions we're going to ask is how important is a high school coach's input in the evaluation of prospects? And are there any things that coaches can do to improve the recruitability of his players outside of, you know, naturally coaching them and then helping them with his grades, like you mentioned earlier? Oh, you know, I'd say the biggest thing would be be honest with the college coaches that come by. Um, again, they know that, you know, they've probably watched the tape. 
of whoever they're coming in to meet. And if they don't, they will that day to kind of get things through. And, again, if you say this kid's the greatest thing to come through this school since James Laurinaitis, and they put on the tape and, and they see him in school and it's like, well, I don't really know if I want to value his opinion as much. You know, just be honest and say, well, I don't know if this guy is, you know, specifically a Division One guy. And if you don't think that, well, give him the reasons why. And if, if he asks you, well, how is he grade-wise? How is he as a leader at the school? And be honest there as well because, again, as you mentioned, um, you know, NDSU comes by the school today. They don't even meet with the coaches. They can just go to the principal and they meet with the academic people because, again, that's what they want to see. So just be honest with how tall are they actually if they can't pull them out of class to have them bump into them in the hall or if they aren't going to stick around for a track meet, different things like that. Just just be upfront uh, and be honest with these college coaches because, again, they want to keep coming back to your, you know, they want to keep coming back to your school and, you know, all the different players that you have in their program want to be recruited. And, you know, whether it's from my ex schools like St. Olaf or St. Thomas, they're going to come back to your school. Just be honest with them in terms of what your thoughts are on the, on the potential prospect. And uh, you can go from there. That's great stuff, Ryan. Um, one thing that we kind of have a tradition doing here at intentionally grounded is, um, we talk about our walk-up songs, and, and if you were a pro basketball player or a professional wrestler with the WWE, what would you choose? And um, you've already chosen. You chose God's Plan by Drake. Uh, but now the other part of that is got to <laughs> tell us uh, why you chose that. Uh, maybe it dates me as kind of a I – don't, I don't know. Am I a millennial? If I was born in 1992, am I like a Gen X or a millennial? I'm not entirely sure where I fall into that. We're, we're uh, both teachers, can just, Ryan, so we kind of just lump everyone as in just kind of a <laughs> – everyone's just a generation it right now for us. You know, we got like six got weeks it. left at school. So, you know, at this time of year, I don't know that the generation matters for us in our profession, but keep going. Uh, I'm just, I've been a, a huge Drake fan since high school, uh, something that – I went, you know, I thought about it, and I already gave you guys my answer, obviously, but I was – talking with my better half and we were kind of bouncing some things off each other and again uh, we're both big uh, drake fans and again from watching the music video of this song um and seeing that again they had a million dollar budget they donated all back now I'm, I'm well aware that you know that some of it's a publicity stunt they did donate it all back but they know they're going to make it back on ad revenue and different things like that i just think uh that drake is a very genuine individual um, I, I really enjoy the melody of the song. It's something that uh, when I go to the gym, uh, I really enjoy listening to it. kind of gets me going, whether it's weights or doing some cardio or shooting some hoops. So um, I'm a big Drake guy, but that's what, uh, that's what I'd probably get excited about. Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been interesting to hear your perspective on the recruiting's uh, goings-on for the upcoming season. And I just want to say we really appreciated your time and your willingness to come join us on the podcast. Not a problem, guys. Anytime you guys want uh, want me to come back, I'm happy to join, and I appreciate you guys appreciate you guys having me on. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review, either on Stitcher or iTunes, and let us know what you think.